Good morning. We welcome the congregation here at Marysville 3CU Church. We are doing some things to make it so that all of you out there can see, but sometimes it disrupts those that are here, so we apologize for that. But we're getting ready for our grand opening that's coming up, and so we invite you to come out to that. You're like, what do you mean grand opening? Aren't you already been preaching and stuff all this time? We're in a new location. And so you might have noticed the last few weeks some things are changing and bobbling and uh, shifting around and it happens when you move into a new place, and uh, so we're having a grand opening. We've been trying to practice, and that's going to be on Palm Sunday. So we invite you to come out uh, to hear that if you're in the area at all. So today, our message is entitled, No Other God. No Other God. Father God, we pray that you would help us as we hear from you today. May I be your mouthpiece. May we be obedient here. Just guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 3, we'll be popping around to some different verses today. Um, I apologize to the AV people. I didn't pre-put them all in there. Um, we might, uh, don't worry, we don't have to hit them all um, you know, on the projector. But in... Uh, Exodus 23, it says something about not having any gods before me. You ever heard of that? You ever heard of this uh, passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3? Let's just turn there. Maybe you haven't heard of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 23, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. There you go. It's right there. You see that? You shall have no other gods before me. Well, that's kind of makes some sense. I know some people, I saw a post recently when someone says, uh, I think they were trying to be sarcastic. I think they tried to post it on one of our comments. They says, you know, there's people worship 5,000 different gods, but, yours the, but that's okay, yours is the only one that's real. Well, that's true. People do worship 5,000 gods. And ours is the only one that's real. I'm okay with that. I think they were trying to give us a dig, but I, I, I took it as a... I'll roll with that. Because people worship other gods. Worship other gods. But really, are there any other gods? There's really... We're not supposed to worship any other gods, but there are no other gods. But sometimes we try to introduce some. So... We want to look over to Matthew 6, 24. Maybe you remember this one. Matthew 6, 24. And maybe you just didn't, didn't understand what it was meaning, but in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon. That can be translated or understood as riches or money. You can't serve God and money. And then if you continued on to that passage, you would find where it says, don't worry about this or that or what are you going to eat or what you're going to drink. Just trust God to take care of those things. But some people might serve money. They think money is their answer. Some people 
it might be government. Some people, it might be, well, let's just talk about some things a little bit more. Going to bounce around for some scriptures, and they'll bring things together. But I want you to uh, pick up this understanding in Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. You know, every once in a while, it's all right to get used to uh, flipping through your Bible. Now, I so some of you, it's literally you're flipping on your phone or what you're doing. Sometime, if you think of it, while we're turning in our scripture here this morning, uh, you might go back to the sermon where I talk about why I think it's a good reason to have a physical Bible. A physical Bible. You know, those, uh, and it's good to have it kind of memorized. Have you thought about that? They've, they've uh, had situations where they shut off the internet in the Ukraine. And uh, I don't know if they had electricity and if they could bring up their Bible on their phone. I don't know if they could bring up their Bible on their phone. I don't know what was blocked and what wasn't blocked. But, you know, it would be kind of cool to be able to throw your physical Bible in your backpack. And do that. You can read that Bible without internet. You can read that Bible without cellular. You can read that Bible because you got it with you. But you never know what's going to happen. But it's good to be familiar with your physical Bible and something that you trust. But in Isaiah 44, 6, it says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. They might call themselves, they don't call themselves God because they're dead. People call them a God, but they're dead. Isaiah 45, 5, if you flip over a couple pages, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. Might help if I went the right. 2 Samuel 22.32. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Psalms 18.31. Psalms 18.31. For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? Sound very familiar? Nehemiah 18.31. Well, Nehemiah 18.31 is another place. Another place we find it is is in Acts 4.12. And maybe when you look there in Acts 4.12, I'm not going to read that one. Well, actually, I think I will, because I think that one's important. Acts 4.12. I believe that has something to do with Jesus. You know, Easter is coming. Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must be saved. What have you created for yourself to be your God? You might say, well, 
I don't know that I've created everything, anything to be your God. So I want to tell you, I want to read to you a story. I, I kind of found it humorous. I don't know why I found it humorous, but my children don't know why I find things humorous. I tell dad jokes. I think they're funny. Some other dads think they're funny. But my children just, I think, the fact that I'm telling dad jokes is funny, but the dad jokes that I'm telling isn't funny. Does that make sense to anybody? Maybe you dads, maybe nobody else. But I thought this was kind of, it sounded funny. It talks about idolatry as foolishness. Now I want you to just listen to this for a minute. I know it's a little bit of a story, and you can follow along. I think they'll have it behind me. But I'm just going to read to you and, and kind of pause. So this is, don't go to sleep. You know, if you just listen in, this is story time. Those who made an image, all of them are useless. And their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witness. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Who would do that? Surely all companions would be ashamed. And the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. Listen to this. The blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals, fashions it with hammers, and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. Can you see? Stretches out his rule. He marks one out with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. Now, if you're not done woodworking, that's where you're planing the wood. He marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that it may, be, may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. I don't know if you're following on what's happened here. It's talking about someone going out and picking out a piece of wood or a piece of metal and they're forming it into an image. They're making a statue. See, they're, they're making it out of the trees in their woods or in their forests. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Same wood. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god. He carved image. He falls down and worships it. And he falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. Is there anything you make that you intend for you, it to deliver you and to satisfy you and fulfill all your needs? They do not know nor understand. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. Sorry about that. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge, nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I've also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. I shall make the rest of it an abomination. Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes, a deceived heart has turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lot 
is there not a lie in my right hand? It basically is talking about they fashioned, and you might say this is impossible. Why would they do that? But have you seen the idols that people make? You can go into different places of the world and they have an idol and they carve it. And it looks very pretty. And then they take it home and they set it up for good luck into their house. Or they set it up in a garden. And then they bow down and they worship it that it will keep them safe. I'm sure none of you get a horseshoe and hang it over, over the door for good luck. We've preached to you in the past about trusting fate, the God of fake and the God of luck, fate and luck. How many people go around guarding fate and luck? Yes, we even as Christians will risk someone good luck. Might be better if we had the practice of saying, God's providence be with you, or something like that. Sounds kind of former, but God's providence, may God's blessing be on you. But saying good luck, it's like you want the God of luck to grant them good luck. You know, you roll the dice, you blow on them, and then you throw them, because you give them to somebody else to test them, because you're trusting the God of luck. But what gods have you formed out of things that you have? What other gods do you have? Because there's no other God. What do you depend upon? Where does your wisdom come from? Do you crowdsource your wisdom? You know what crowdsourcing is? That's where you collect all the inputs you can, and based on all that input, that's how you form what is valuable. A lot of people crowdsource. They look on Facebook, they look on the internet, and they try to see what is valuable. And then after they've done all that, I have an illustration I've used many times. It's of some young boys. And these young boys, these four young boys, there were, uh, I don't remember how old they were, they might be eight. They were, they were young boys, and they all decided that it would be a good idea to pick up the stones out of the driveway and throw them at a garage door. They thought that was a good idea. I will tell you, I didn't think it was a good idea that my sons and their cousins would be throwing stones at my garage door because I still have the dents in my garage door where they throw these stones, but they crowdsourced it as a good idea. How many times have you had, uh, the, know the story, or maybe you've done it, some kid comes home and says, Hey, Bobby gets to do it. And what's the response? Well, if Bobby would run off a cliff, would you run off of it too? Well, in today's society, yes, you would. Everybody's running off the same cliff. Because it's on Twitter. Somebody said that, and they got a million likes, so it must be the truth. Where is your source of wisdom? What guides your direction? Of course, the other part of it would say, well, Bobby's mom lets him do it, and the response is, well, I'm not Bobby's mom. I'm your mom, and this is the way it is. The question is, is when we go to God and say, well, God, everybody else gets to do it, that other church gets to do it, 
Why don't we do it? The question is, is what church do you go to? What kind of church are you looking for? Are you looking for the church that tells you that everything you're doing is okay? Are you formulating in your mind the God, your God is the God that tells you everything you're doing is okay? I was looking at one of my minister's friend's uh, Facebook posts. Happened he posted something this morning. And it was something like the fact that it went right with this message. It kind of reaffirmed I was on my right track with my message. It's something like, if you're reforming your theology of God to make the things that you're doing are, is okay, then who is your God? You are. So you're looking for a church that tells you everything you're doing okay is okay, then are you really looking for God? You're looking for a church that worships your behavior. You're looking for a church that worships you. Your theology is not based on the Bible unless you're... Well, of course, some people look for a Bible that's easy to read because it doesn't get into some of the deeper things that make you uncomfortable. Some people like to say, this, they don't, they'll say, this contains the Word of God. You know what the problem with that is? They don't say, this is the Word of God. It contains the Word of God. This part's the Word of God. See, it's contained in there. And then we'll skip over these other parts because I don't like those parts. And then over here, it can, here, this contains the Word of God. So how do you know which parts are the Word of God? When you take that approach, which parts are the Word of God? Well, you just ask your friends and your cousins if it's a good idea to throw rocks at the... If you're going to cut the pieces out that you don't like, then you're not really interested in following the Word of God. You're interested in appeasing your guilt. Because we're born this... this reading a book recently and talked about this oughtness. Billy Graham says we're born with a God-shaped hole in our heart. This oughtness, you know you ought to do better than that. You're not, you know you're not doing what you should. You know there's something. And you're looking for somebody to say, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Some things aren't okay. And some things that are out there some people, they talk about people in those particular choices, those particular activities, and maybe you might have tendency to an activity or a lifestyle, but what have we talked about before? We're all born in sin. Just before, because you're born with a tendency to alcoholism doesn't make it okay to be an alcoholic. And we could go down through lots of different sins and have that same conversation. You believe you're born with a tendency towards homosexuality doesn't mean it's right for you to practice it. By the way, do you know that men and women are born with a tendency to want to procreate? Did you know that? But it's not right before marriage, and it's not right to go sleeping with everybody you run into at a hotel. Well, I was born that way, so it must be okay to do that, right? Born with an aggressive behavior towards women, and so it's okay to do whatever? No, it's not. No, it's not. We want to play games with that. So, 
Who is your God? You're crowdsourcing who God is. You're crowdsourcing all those things. Do you really want to know where God, who God is? Do you want to go to a church where I tell you everything you're doing is okay? And that path to destruction you're on? And that thing that you're doing that's wrong and it's eating you up? That it's okay? Or do you want to go where God can help you? Which means you're going to get called out on some things. It's going to mean you're going to be held accountable. First you need to have your sins forgiven. But then God's going to try to work on you to make you better. To keep you from doing some of the things that are destructive, not only to you, but to your family. Because you can read in Scripture where the sins are visited on multiple generations. And I want you to think about that. How many people can you think about that the father or mother done something and think about how it's affected the children and the grandchildren? Sin is destructive. Do you want to have a God of your own making? Do you want to crowdsource your theology of God? Do you want to have that self-wisdom? You remember when we preached in Job's a few weeks ago, he talked about, hey, look at this. And he was contradicting what God was trying to tell him. And God says, where were you when I made the earth? Where were you when I put the boundaries around the waters and, and the wind and when he did all the creation? And you might not remember that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It was written be long before Genesis was written. Genesis was written about in the beginning by Moses. But Job has this encounter with God and God says, where were you when I did that creation? But yet we seem to want to have all the wisdom. We want to crowdsource our wisdom and say that's okay. We act like children. Self-righteous. Self-indulged. In many ways, we're spoiled. Who tells you what's right and what's wrong and what's okay? There's a larger and larger push that people get to tell you and your voice is silenced. Sometimes the government wants to silence what you're doing. The government gets more and more involved. But don't make the government your God. Don't make the government your source a wisdom, because they do stupid things. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, they do stupid things. We're fortunate to live in a country that allows the choices, and we breed the problems with our choices. But we have to think about those things. Who is our God? Because there's a fight to control what we do. There's a fight to have more and more control. And we have to determine, are we going to roll over for that? But it's uncomfortable. But someone might say something. Who is your God? Who tells you how to conduct yourselves? Who tells you what to buy and not to buy? Who tells you who to date and who not to date? Who tells you what activity is good and what activity is bad? What have you fashioned for yourself? You fashioned it. How can it be greater than you? 
You fashioned it. How can it be greater than you? We read books and we share knowledge. But the person that wrote that book is just a man or just a woman. They're not God. But yet we're going to submit to all that they say, as that's right. And then after you've followed everything they say and they run into problems or you find out they're living a double life, then you're greatly disappointed. May I tell you that God doesn't disappoint. And God actually has wisdom. So what God have you fashioned? Where does your hope lie? Where does your help come from? My hope for you is that God is God in your life. Not that you are your own God in your life. You have to step off the throne. Even if you're a Christian, you have your sins forgiven. There's a point in your life you need to say, I'm going to make you Lord. I'm going to make you in charge. You are my Lord. You're Lord of it all. I'm going to put you in control because you are my God. I'm going to submit to that. And then we recognize our limitations. We recognize where we need to be improved, and He can help us do that. No other God. No other God. Let's be standing this morning. Father God, I pray that each one in the sound of my voice would consider, who do they follow? Who do they follow? Do they get their sources of wisdom and insights and morality by who they follow on Instagram? Or who they've befriended on Facebook? Or maybe it's on Twitter, or maybe it's on whatever platform. Lord, too many people are jumping off the cliffs together. I pray to the Father that there would be a waking up of our country, of our state, of our county, of our city, but in this room even. That we might be aware of situations where we have begun to worship a God of our own forming. For some, dear Lord, the Bible talks about mammon. So for everyone that's listening, don't put money first. Help us, dear Lord, to remember that. Help us, dear Lord, to remember our interactions. Help us remember we can't put our faith in the government. We can put our faith in you. And some of the smartest people that we would call the smartest on the earth are just fools before you. And Father, may us not set up gods that we bow down to, but help us to seek your word and the truth of your word, the depth of your word. And may we as a church be in the center of your will. Being that place that presents the word of God in its totality. And Father, that your Holy Spirit would use us to minister to those around us, to our community, our state, our country, and even our world. Just guide and direct us, Father, we pray in these things. In Jesus' name, amen.